Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. A little story about our our guest uh, this week, Elvis Duran. I'm embarrassed to admit that I actually spent most of my life with no idea who Elvis Duran is, except after I published 10% Happier a couple years ago, I started getting all these tweets, like a massive amount of tweets about the fact that some guy named Elvis Duran was talking about my book on his radio show. And I mean, it was just like a massive amount of tweets. So that that, that piqued my interest. And I sort of looked him up and realized um, that he is a huge figure in American radio. He's the host of a a daily show called Elvis Duran and the Morning Show, which uh, uh, originates out of Z100 in New York, but it's syndicated all over the country. And uh, and I ultimately ended up going on the show a couple times. And uh, as a side note here, my wife, who normally doesn't care what shows I go on uh, and doesn't really want to hear about it, actually insisted on coming with me to the show because she had been listening to Elvis since she was a kid. uh, And she was like giddy meeting him. And and after being on the show a couple times, I uh, became friends with Elvis and He's really uh, been just such a fun person to get to know over time. And I wanted to bring him on this show because he's a meditator and he has lots of interesting things to say about how it impacts him in a uh, very interesting life on a lot of levels. So here we go. Here's Elvis. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. You want to put these on? Should we put these on? Do you know how to run a board? No, no, no. There's somebody in the other room doing that. <laughs> you really should learn how to run a board. This is these are great studios. It's like pretty this. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's a professional it's operation. It's the real deal. How's the show going? The going? show's great. Is this mine? Is this yeah. pure vodka? Can you drink these days? Oh yeah, I drink a lot. <laughs> really? But, I, I drank last night. But your tolerance must be way down, right? Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm a cheap drunk. Absolutely. Are we on? Are uh, we going? Why not? We're going. Yeah, let's you, go. You, let's can use the, you can use all this. Yeah. I lost 140 pounds, and now it, I used to could do maybe six martinis and still be totally coherent. Now uh, just a half a martini. And I'm, it's just a half a martini? Yeah, I don't even know where I am. I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, But that's frustrating. What if you want to be out with your friends all night? And, and I have to you, pace. And it took a while to learn that. You know, I, several people who've had this same procedure. What's it called again? Uh, gastric sleeve uh, gastric procedure sleeve. Yes. or whatever. Uh, but some of them actually become alcoholics because they're just not used to curtailing their, 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 the, the quantity of uh, alcohol. So they start drinking it. But I am still learning. I mean, Now we do a drink and then two glasses of water, then a drink and then two glasses of water. If I'm out all night, I got to watch it. So, so then over the course of the night, you can have several drinks. Mm-hmm. What about food these days? I eat everything. You eat everything. Everything. But, but you can't. Eat that much? No, no, it, it 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 stacks up fast. But uh, the only thing I cannot do is I cannot drink effervescent drinks. I can't do any carbonated beverages because it bloats your stomach. But so, like, if you have a burger and fries in front of you, can you finish all of that? Or? No, no, no. I can eat like a, a standard size burger. Maybe you could do a quarter of it, maybe a half of it on a good day. But does that take some of the fun out of it? Like the it the- does. I actually get pissed off when I can't eat. The whole mountain of food that's before me. I mean, if if someone brings out this beautiful chicken parm, you know, with the beautiful sauce and the pasta on the side, I want to eat the whole thing. I'm salivating just thinking about it, <laughs> but I can't eat it, and I do I do get mad sometimes. But it's it's so crazy because I met you less than three years ago, but right. you look like a completely different human being. I am a different human being. I mean, everything has changed. My attitude has changed, the way I look at life, the way I enjoy life. Everything has changed. But you were a happy guy when I met you. I was very happy. Yeah. And I, I was not a, self, a self-loathing, self overweight guy. I, no. I was fine with, with me. I just didn't like sweating every time I wanted to walk a half a block. And I wanted to see my, my wiener. We've talked about this. <laughs> you couldn't see it from I couldn't me. see it. <laughs> I just straddle a mirror at, a, at the local gynecologist's <laughs> office to look at my own private parts. Now I look at it all the time. All the time, really. Anytime yeah. you want. It's really I may interrupt this available. interview and just look at it. <laughs> Pardon me. I'll be back. Fine. This is ABC. I can't do that at ABC. Um, but I remember, because I interviewed you right after you had the surgery, or a couple of months after you had the surgery. Right. I'd already lost some weight. Yeah. Yes, but you 
And I, then it's been about a year or so since I've seen you, and you actually look even you looked dramatically different when I saw you after the surgery, and you you look even more different now. I'm exactly two years in. It was two years ago. Okay. And it was two years ago when I had the procedure done, and uh, I have been at this same weight for one year. You look incredible. I mean, you really do. Well, I'm thank not, you. Are you about to jump across the the I'm table? Give and, you a big kiss <laughs> and make out with me? I, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I'm not going to rule anything out. So so. Do you feel great? I feel awesome. You know, it, it's when you're overweight for so many years in your life, it's these little things. Like, for instance, if I see my, you know, the walk, the don't walk sign is flashing, I know I have to get across uh, 6th Avenue really quickly. Mm-hmm. I run to get across, and then after I run, I realize I just ran, and, I, and I'm still breathing. I, I don't have a lack of oxygen. I, in the old days, it would take everything to get across the street and to recover from that. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. So, but you've been able to keep up on the exercise, and you feel better when you. Yeah, do I'm not exercise. exercising nearly as much as I should. Really? No, not. I you, should. I should. I need to exercise. You more. look like a dude who's exercising a lot. It's just because. Well, if I took off my shirt, if, if, I, if I took off my spanks, it would all start falling out. <laughs> is that really the case? Or no, I don't have spanks on. No, but no, I, I I need to exercise more. So it's a little intimidating to interview like a professional radio interview. You always say a, that, and I don't understand. You're the, the best interviewer in the business. That's not true. It is true. But especially in a radio context. This is your zone, man. Here's why I love watching everything you do, because you go out on these stories where you seem very curious to find out the answers, yeah, yeah. and you take us along with you. And I've learned that from you. I, th- I think that's a great way to, well, not only interview people professionally on TV or on the radio, but just with your friends. It's great to go on a journey with them in just regular conversation. You're a master at that. My mother has an expression that's up on her wall that says the most important thing uh, about acting is sincerity. And if you can fake that, you got it made. There you go. (laughs) Of course. So I fooled you. Fake sincerity. Oh, I don't believe that. One second. I am a curious dude. So let me ask you a question that I am curious about because I've known for a long, long time that you're a meditator, but I've never actually asked you how you got into it, what your practice is like. We've never talked about any of that. Okay. So how did you get into it? Well, you know, it really started uh, big time when I started going out to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I have a house out there. And I, I realized through friends who had moved there, very dear friends, very, very, like my second parents, great friends. They moved out there to save their relationship and save their lives because they were just on a crazy track to know where they were drinking a lot and you know, just having crazy blackout fights and things with each other. And they realized they really loved each other and they, they needed a new path in life. They moved to Santa Fe. So I would go visit them. I would stay out there for a week at a time, just on my own. And I would spend time on my own. I never, ever would vacation anywhere without friends or whatever. I would go there and just spend time with myself. In Santa Fe, you'll find a a beautiful community of people who believe in meditation and and all things crystals and all things acupuncture. Some of the stuff that I don't like. Yeah, exactly. Some of the stuff that not a lot of us are familiar with and you've become familiar with in your journey. But you were okay with the crystals and all that stuff? Absolutely. Okay. I, 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 loved what, I loved observing people who, th- I, at the time, I thought, I assumed that they were actually getting something good out of crystals and energy in the universe. I'm like, what is that? If I want to feel good, I'd have a martini. <laughs> but I learned out there that meditation was a common denominator with my favorite people there. So I actually found a book at the uh, bookstore called Eight Minute Meditation by Victor Davich, I guess that's how you say his name, where you really learn the basics. It's basically a very skinny version of meditation for dummies. And, uh, but it, it really taught me that in eight minutes, in a busy lifestyle, I could actually form these habits. And I started doing these eight-minute meditations while in Santa Fe visiting my house at that time. I finally bought a house. What, is, what does uh, this guy tell you to do in these eight-minute meditations? You know, it's been What's so many the- years since I read it. Uh, it's very simple Sit down, relax, get control of your breathing, focus on your breathing. If some thought comes into your mind, no big deal, let it go right out. It's like the leaf in the creek that flows beneath the bridge, just let it, just let it go down the creek. And, and it, it was just a very, very simple way of learning. That's great. But after about two weeks of doing at eight, eight minutes a day, I really started to feel something different. And I really couldn't put my finger on it, but I, I felt like... I was observing myself, my body, my physical cues that my body was giving me, and at the time, overweight, whatever. I was very, just, I, was just, I was an observer of myself rather than just a participant in life, and I thought that was very unique, yeah. very interesting. No, that's just a, from eight minutes a day. That's a great, that's actually a great statement of 
what the real benefit of meditation is, especially for people at the beginning. Like you go from being yanked around by the little voice in your head all the time to actually having some distance to be able to see, oh, that was just a thought, the thought that I should have uh, 75 cheeseburgers right now or I should scream at my partner or whatever. You can just let it pass instead of actually just doing what you've been ordered to do by the moron in your head. The moron in your head is just a great way of putting it. And I actually learned, Dan, and also through conversation with you later on, that you can actually be the voice in your head rather than the voice having its own identity. Mm -hmm. You can actually tell your voice what it needs to Mm -hmm. say. And uh, it changes your life. It's as simple as it sounds. It really does. Did you keep doing it? Did you fall off the wagon? How... how, How abiding of a practice were you able to establish? I was not... uh I was not totally, totally into it for long periods of time. I would drop it. I'd forget it. So common. Very yeah, common. It, it is. But I've always found when I go back to it, it's very meaningful. And also, I think it's good to leave it from time to time and to go back to it. And I think you are more aware then of what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get, a very, you get a pretty powerful lesson in what the point of doing the thing is. Right. So, I, I, as a matter of fact, I just restarted uh, meditation maybe less than a year ago. So, um, and what got you to do that? I don't even remember. I think one day I had some free time. I said, well, what the hell? I'll meditate. (laughs) And what, so what are you doing now? What's your practice like now? You know what? It varies. Uh, knowing how much time I have sort of presets it. I mean, I don't give it a strict 10 minutes or a strict 30 minutes. I, I've, I've never meditated more than 15 minutes. I never, I've never done it. I don't, I I don't know what that's like, but you know, in reading your practice, I mean, you meditated like for three weeks once, didn't you? (laughs) I did a 10 day silent meditation. I've done a couple of those. Well, you you were silent, but were you meditating? Yes. Is there a thin line between the two? Yeah. Uh, the, that, that's a very good point. You can be silent and, and manifestly not meditating. I was, I think, meditating or at least trying to do it. Well, after 10 days? Yeah. After 10 days of in that, being in that silence, how was your life different? What, what immediate changes did you notice? Are you interviewing me now? No, no yeah, absolutely. I'm interviewing is, I knew this was going to happen. No, but really. Uh, 10 days, I would say, the first time I did it, I was only a year into practice. And uh, after 10 days, during the course of the 10 days, I had so many ups and downs where I was totally miserable and then absolutely elated and then miserable again and then kind of calm. And what it did for me was give me, and this is a loaded term, faith. And I don't mean faith in a metaphysical sense of um, uh, believing in things you can't prove, which I don't have a problem with, but that's not really my bag. Uh, it was faith in, a more, in, a, in the sense of confidence, confidence that this thing is worth doing and that if you can get enough distance from the sort of machinery, this kind of uh, automaticity of the mind, you and and slow it down a little bit actually levels of happiness heretofore unseen in most lives are actually accessible what the hell did you just say i don't know no i heard what you said but you were i can say it again actually you were in a very remote area of the world at the time i was in marin county uh oh i thought you were way 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 no no no. i'm gonna i'm actually gonna start doing some crazy crazy like uh way remote area of the world meditation retreats in the future but i haven't done that yet Actually, I've gone to rural Massachusetts. Does that count? As yes. That? yes. Okay, I've oh done that. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised <laughs> you found your way back. So what kind of changes did you see? Like, So for the last year, what what difference does it make in you? You have a, you have a pretty busy life. You've got, what, you guys run four hours in the morning? Yeah. It's very busy. Four from, hours a day. From six to ten. Yeah. And, but you have a whole staff you've got to manage of, of, of folks on air and off air. You've got a pretty big crew of people on the air. Many of whom have their own following, so obviously that then they become kind of talent in their own right, and you're managing them. You're managing the folks off air. You're managing your corporate overlords. You're worried about ratings in the local markets. Uh, so it's four hours a day on the air, but you actually have a large operation you're running all the time. So does meditation help you with this pretty serious endeavor? Yes, but I have to back up for just a second. I have You make it sound like I really have a, a time-consuming time job. I don't. Really? I really don't. I mean, I really leave most days at 10.01, and I'm back the next morning at 6. And What do you do the rest of the day? <laughs> shop. <laughs> Eat. Um, you know, no, I, look, there, are, there are many phone calls to make. There are a lot, there's a lot of email to answer. And no, there is a lot to it, but I, I have a blessed, easy, maybe sometimes too easy life. And that's why even when you have many moments available in the course of the day, sometimes you still can't find time to meditate it's not that you don't have the time it's just for some reason you don't get into gear and do it 
I need to be better disciplined at doing that. What do you think is that? See, I'm really interested now, and and this is going to be my next project. Actually, I kind of have um, inveigled you into helping me with this next project, which is I'm going to do a little book that's going to come out in a year from now about what are the things that get in the way? What stops you from meditating or what kind of messes up your meditation and how can we help you get over those hurdles? Um, I'd be really interested to know, like, wh- what do you think it is? You have the time... And yet you, you can't make the time. I think it's procrastination. I, I, I'm generally a procrastinator and I put things off. I, you know, I never pay bills on time or have them paid on time because I just don't do it. You know, and I think as simple as it sounds and I, I think that's it. I, I don't think I know the I understand and appreciate the importance of meditation, the importance of, of being aware, the importance of whatever. I just don't practice it all the time. I don't know why. I can't I bet there is an answer. I bet you if you could open my hood and look in there, I bet you could figure it out. Like why don't I don't why don't I just put it on the calendar every day? Well, I, I hate calendars. Why don't I hate meetings. I hate things that are planned. I'm a spontaneous guy. So I don't know is there such a thing as spontaneous meditation? Yeah, yeah you can do it anytime you want. All right. Absolutely. I'm going to check out and right you can, now. You can do it <laughs> by you could do it as for as short a period as you want. You can do a minute counts. Anything counts. Um, and I think maybe getting that message out would be useful to people. But you don't think it's some deeper thing like, oh, I don't want to look at my own stuff. I feel No, like, not at all. Yeah. No, that's not it. I wish it were. At least I could point it out. What about guided meditation? I'm a big fan. See, I guess the same as if you're paying someone at the gym to be your trainer, you could pay someone to be your guided meditation guru. Therefore, well, I'm going to lose money if I don't go. I might as well... I would love to do that. Yeah. I've only done guided meditation twice in my life, and I loved it. So you're talking about in-person guided meditation. Yes. No, with me. So in, there, in the room. There are a lot of options on this space. If you're Elvis Duran, you can um, ask your friend Dan Harris to hook you up with a great teacher who will come to your apartment for you. That is actually, that is absolutely an option. Then then you can go, or you can go to classes. And in New York City, there are places where you can actually go to classes. Uh, and all over the country, there are places now where you can go to classes. And then the third option is get an app um, where they have the guided meditations right in your phone. Right. I'm partial to this app called 10% Happier, but of there are lots you are. of good ones. Uh, blatant self-promotion. Um, but So there are a lot. I think guided meditation is really, really useful because it's super easy to fall into this trap of like, what am I doing Am I, am, am I doing this right? Is this am I wasting my time, et cetera, et cetera? And when you hear somebody who you think seems pretty normal giving you the basic instructions and telling you why it matters, you're back on track. There's something else about guided meditation that I I, I thought about after last time I did it was there is I actually felt like this person who was guiding me through this meditation was actually loving me. I mean, liking me, spending time with me. If, if there was a there was a, an intimacy with them, not you know, not of a sexual nature at all, but you know what I'm saying. It, I don't know. I, I I felt like they were, even though they were being paid. Oh my God, is this like a prostitution thing? <laughs> even though they were being paid to guide me through meditation, I felt like there was a connection there, and I I love connection with what, other people. What I think was the something... context? The context yeah, of, of the where 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 was this happening? Oh, it was in a it was at a. Uh, a spa, a famous spa up in Massachusetts, <laughs> where you go into a room and with like six or seven other people, and uh, you have one person come in and sit down and lead you through meditation. The only problem I had with it was everyone took their shoes off, and it smelled like feet. <laughs> so I don't like the smell of feet. I don't either. But anyway. I don't either. Uh, but I felt like there was a connection there, and I loved the intimacy of connecting with someone while meditating. I thought that was just mind-blowingly great. So if you had a teacher, a local teacher, somebody who was just going to uh, who you had appointments with, and you knew that if you blew it off, you'd be wasting money. I'm assuming I would I would make my appointments. I would go. I don't want to blow off money. What about the other folks on your team, the, uh, your on-air team? Did they meditate? If I recall going in there, they've in the past, they've all said, yeah, I know I should do this, but I don't. I don't do think it. they do. I, I cannot. No, I don't think anyone I work with meditates unless it, they're a you know private meditator. Do you talk to about it? Uh, no, we don't have the dialogue. They know I meditate. Yeah. If I were to ask them, do you think they'd be able to tell when you're doing more or doing less? Most likely. Absolutely. And I know when I'm doing more or less because I I see the results after maybe a week of getting into it. I definitely see results. I see me calming down, being happier. It's almost like taking meds. Yes. Well, in fact, there have been some studies that show it's just as effective. Um, do you, I mean, on the air, you're super affable, but are, are you? do you have the potential to, to get cranky? Oh, God, yeah. I throw sharp objects. Really? No. No, no, I, I can get 
a little cranky, like a little baby. Wah! And I, I do it sometimes. Sometimes you don't get your way, or you expect people to read your mind, and they're not reading your mind. So, like, if I talk to your staff, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I say to them, you know, what's Elvis like on a bad hair day, they'll say, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I can be some, somewhat of a terror, but I, it's not awful. It's not as bad as I make it seem, but I'm sure I think it's worse. I, because it, you know it's been a bad day when you go home and you regret, not regret, but yeah, a little bit of regret the way you spoke to people or the way you became impatient with them. And I, I sometimes regret that. Don't we all? I do. There's this in, level of intensity that makes you who you are and makes you great at what you do. And sometimes that level of intensity manifests itself with, you know, throwing things at people. <laughs> no, maybe not physically, but, you know, it's saying things that are a little rude. Right. But you're getting to the heart of one of my issues around meditation. Which What's is, that? Which is exactly what you said. We, we get to where we are in life often, or many of us believe we get to where we are in life because of our intensity, because of the stress, because of the drive. And if we're too relaxed, if we're too much, uh, if we're too much in the habit of non-judgmentally observing all of our thoughts and feelings and emotions, are we going to be flaccid? Well, exactly, flaccid. What a fantastic word! Well, you started the the, the trend, and you continued it. <laughs> For instance, back to Santa Fe. If I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, full time, I would be too relaxed. I would lose my intensity. Living here in New York, it's like sitting in an electric chair. Yeah just to go to the store to buy, you know, dinner. Um, you know, I think that being in this intense city is great for us. It makes us have to think faster, and it, it's, it, it, but sometimes it just wears you down. So there's got to be a happy me- uh, medium somewhere. I think there is a happy medium. I think that the happy medium is that you, uh, what meditation, or at least for me, has helped me do is you, we have to do a certain amount of worrying and plotting and planning and uh, be intense, you can draw the line between when it's useful and when it's useless. You know, I think, I don't know what I think. For example, you said before that. Uh, I'm totally brain farting over here. No, it's okay. Why, here who are you? Why are we here? <laughs> you said before that the, the, your propensity to throw sharp yes, objects is yes. partly why you, you know, you're Elvis Duran. And, uh, but you also don't want to be that dude. You don't want to go home regretting. I, don't you know people in your business? I know them in mind, they have a reputation for being jerks. They have a reputation yes. for being unfair yes. and users and uh, selfish. And I never, ever want that reputation. And I, 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 you know, you can take 20 years to build up your reputation. It takes five minutes to totally flush it down a toilet. But at the same time, you owe it to yourself to be honest about your feelings that you have simmering inside and sometimes they've got to come out but then you apologize to everyone and hope they understand you know the taste the mediterranean sales event is going on now through march 19th at whole foods market it's a store-wide event packed with flavor my family and i are regulars at whole foods market we've got one i think less than a mile and a half away from our house this taste the mediterranean thing sounds pretty cool uh, they've got Mediterranean-inspired flavors. You can save on Parmigiano-Reggiano, charcuterie, and ground lamb. They've got delectable seafood choices. You can save on whole branzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon, which is a regular feature at our dinners in this house. My son loves that salmon from Whole Foods. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point out all of the uh, 365 by Whole Foods Market products. Stock up on wallet-happy Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat, pita pockets, and more. I am constantly uh, consuming these 365 products, including the the raw cashews, which I snack on all the time. We love the 365 sea salt and pepper. Uh, We love their sushi rice. You get the picture. Go check it out. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or something new to discover. They offer an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries and thrillers, motivation, wellness, business, and more. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations for every type of thriller listener. The selection over on Audible when it comes to true crime, mystery, and thriller is um, quite extensive. They've got John Grisham, tons of stuff by Stephen King, David Baldacci, 
My favorite that I've checked out recently in the crime fiction genre is called Age of Vice. It's by Deepti Kapoor. It came out uh, not long ago. Not only is it thrilling and uh, very, very plotty, but it's also written incredibly well. It's truly literature. Deepti Kapoor is a a force of nature as a writer. Age of Vice, it takes you into the uh, underworld in New Delhi in India. I absolutely love that one. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 10% or text 10% to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 10% or text 10% to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 10%. Well, I'm, this is maybe not directly a meditation question. It's more just a question about your career and your show. But what, learning about you, and I've we've done some interviews, some, and I've done some stories on you guys. You're a really interesting variation on the the morning zoo format because mostly when uh, people think about morning zoo, they think of you know like let's say uh, misogynistic things or let's uh, pick on celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. But you guys are really like nice to the people you have on the show and nice to one another and generally speaking pretty respectful of everybody you talk about. And how have you succeeded in that environment without being jerks? Well, we stopped calling ourselves the Morning Zoo about 20 years ago. Right. But it's still <laughs> that kind of format. It is that it's that many people around the table format. You know what? Uh it's too easy to go into the into the I'm going to insult you for a laugh at your expense vain. I, I, I don't want to do it. it, it's, it it's no, there's nothing smart about that. I really feel like leading by example is the best way for people to see who you are and let them connect with you. Um, I, rather than come on the air and go, hey, I'm Elvis Duran. I'm a great guy. I'm just going to go on the air and just try my best to be a good guy because I know inside I really am. And I know that I'm making that connection. It's that intimacy with the listener letting them know who I am without hiding anything. At the same time, if we're mad at something, if we're sad about something, I'll cry on the air. I'll, I'll get pissed off on the air. I mean, we, we let all of those emotions come out. But it's such a refreshing thing to come to work every day with people who actually are great people. They're nice people. And we need to let the world know how nice they are. And it makes people feel great because the majority of our listeners are waking up too early in the morning, they have to go through that routine to brush their teeth and wash themselves and get in a car and sit in traffic. It's my job to make them feel good so they'll come back tomorrow. That's the business end. The real end is I, we want to move the meter by just being good people and letting people know that there are good people out there, especially this past year after this election we just went through. It's divided everyone and everyone's all upset and cranky. We had to march through that to remind people, despite what's happening in the news, uh, there are good things going on. Let's let's focus on those things. How have you guys handled that? Because it hit, I would imagine in your audience, which is such a broad audience, that actually you have listeners on both sides of this. We do. We, we have members of our show who are on both sides. But as we practice at the table every morning with the microphones on, we practice on the show. We People do not turn us on for political, political uh, commentary. That's not what we do. Come to us because you're tired of hearing about it. And we had a lot of listeners trying to push us to make us admit, yeah, I'm voting for this person, I'm voting for that person. No, we don't want to do it. There's no reason. But how can you avoid the topic? You know what? The topic we did not avoid was getting through the negativity. And yeah. the negativity was on both sides in this election. The negativity was, you know, had a lot to do with things that had nothing to do with real politics. It was just people with egos trying to be, who had to be right. My candidate is right and you are wrong. And we were the, the answer to that. Come to us because we're not going to make you feel bad because you're voting for someone. I ended up going on there admitting who I voted for. Who? I didn't vote for anyone. You didn't vote for anybody? No. I did not. I didn't want, I didn't want to vote for either of the final candidates. I just didn't want to. As a matter of fact, I even said on our show, when I told people in the beginning during early stages of the, uh, of, uh, the election and everything, I, I, I would tell people who I did like, and I would, they, they would look at me and say, you're stupid. That person's never going to be great at the, being president. I said, well, no, I agree with the politics of this person. I kind of agree with where they were coming from. And I was told, eh, they're never going to be president. Why worry? I was made to feel inferior because of who I wanted. Who did you want? I'm not going to say that. Oh, this was off the air or on the air? Uh, off the air. Off the air. So I, so I, I didn't vote. 
And then I was made to feel like an idiot for not voting. It, it's just, it's, there was nothing, nothing really fantastic. No way to win. Do you, have you had Donald Trump on the show? Oh, years ago, yeah, absolutely. What, what, what were your impressions of him? Uh, he was great, but you know, keep in mind he wasn't running for president. I, I, actually, he was just beginning to think about running because I, I'm friendly with the family. I know Eric Trump. And, oh, that you know what I would. That's right. You introduced me to Eric Trump once yeah. when I was doing a profile on you for Nightline. Um, I fought, we rode uptown for you were going to some TV studio uptown, and outside of the TV studio, there was this guy, this tall blonde guy, it was Eric Trump, who you right. introduced me to. That's right. That's just coming back to me now. So you've known him how and why? You did I've, some charity events. Well, him. yeah. My, my really good friend Stephen got me involved with Eric Trump Foundation, and we, we, we've raised, raised a lot of money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I got to know him that way, and he and his wife, Laura, are still I, good good friends of mine. But but they're, they, are, they totally know I did not vote for their father. I, I did not support him in his election. I did not support Hillary Clinton either. I, I, see, I have to say that. I have to even it out so everyone will know that I did not go one way or another. So this election has been tricky for you. It's been tricky, yeah. But I think we did, I think we did pretty well. Because I know that our audience is split. But finally, it's a show that the left and the right can listen to. Because we don't go left or right. You Typically, we don't. Um, t- t- you mentioned before the, your willingness to be emotional on the air. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things that uh, we've we've discussed before, but not in, on this podcast, so I'm just going to raise them now. Um, 9-11. Yeah. Huge moment for your show. Can you just t- tell us about a little bit what happened? Uh, that which day? moment? I mean, there, there that was... That day. There was during and there was yeah. after. Yeah. Well, after, that that after, day was quite remarkable, right? You yeah. Was it the day after, sorry? You came into work the next day um, and took calls. We really, truly learned about radio and how it truly is public service. You know, that's before we were syndicated. We were only on in New York City, and we focused solely on what our listeners needed. Listeners who uh, were waiting for calls to come in from family members that worked in the towers, or listeners who were on their way to Ground Zero and they needed dog booties for you know the dog so they wouldn't cut their paws while searching for for uh for people and, i mean we truly learned what broadcasting in the old and new term sense is it's all about public service every day though we still carry that tradition on and even though we are not living these massive casualty laden awful tragedies every day but people are living in these little small tragedies every day mm-hmm. and that's our job to make sure that, look there's a world out there you're going to get through this no matter what, what it is you're going through but 9-11 was such a learning experience in the after aftermath especially yeah, and I can see how that spirit is actually shot through on the show every day it's really fun to listen to and I and you know having met some of your I, I've told you this story before but the I was in the airport in Miami one day and uh, in the bookstore, just looking around, mostly just looking to see if they had my book on there. Yeah, and of then, course. And, uh, and I got in and I was just chatting with the, the staff. And I said, it was before the first time I was ever going on your show. I said, yeah, I'm going on this show next week. I don't know why I mentioned it. Oh, I, I mentioned it because you were about to do some sort of charity event in Miami. Right. Uh, and so I said to the staff, yeah, I'm going on this guy Elvis Durant's show. Do you guys know him? And they were all like, absolutely. In fact, one guy came up from the back. He was listening to the headphones. He was listening to the show while he worked. Um, so people who are into your show are like deeply, deeply into your show, and thank I think God. that's why. And I'm, I'm not quite sure I know what the secret sauce is, but they listen. Thank God. I mean, knock on whatever this is. The other thing you you were willing to do on the air, which actually got a lot of people talking, which it was come out. Right, being gay, being yeah. a gay guy. Yeah, yeah. open or a, a non closeted gay guy. Yeah, you know, I, I never really was in the closet. Just never discussed it on the on show. The air. All yeah. my friends, my colleagues, everyone. I mean, it's I've always been out since I was in high school. Um, but yeah, I really felt like if I wanted to connect using honesty and uh, whatever I, I, to, with the audience, I, they need to know who I am. And I, I think that's an important part of my life. It's not who I am. It's just a part of who I am. It's not the Elvis Duran is gay show. It's Elvis Duran is a show, so it happens he's gay. You know? Was that a tough decision for you, though? No, not at all. And what I was most pleased about was it was just an unremarkable thing. I mean, everyone was like, oh, you're gay? Great. Okay, what else? You know, And I love that. That was that made me feel pretty good. Is it? But I, I have to imagine it's part of what makes, uh, it's part of creating that bond with the audience, which is just like you're not hiding anything. You're totally out there with who you are. Well, we all hide a few things, but uh, uh, well, that that a, is a major a thing point. I should not hide. But you know what? We, 
try to do with our show, and something I've learned, I learned from reading your book. I learned that being aware of where you are in the room or where you are in your life or where you are in the park and stopping down and just looking around, being aware of what's around you and how it affects you uh, is so important. We have to stop just walking through life with blinders on. We need to walk into a room and go, oh, well, there's a fire extinguisher over there. Oh, look, she's on her phone over there. Or look at this. <laughs> so you can know where you stand in, in, in your surroundings, mm-hmm. and that's with your friends as well. Being aware of how they're feeling, being sensitive to what they're going through that day. And I, I really think that's a part of meditation, being aware of what you're feeling. And these thoughts come into your mind when you're trying to push them out or let them go. Well, those thoughts actually... Things, there are things that maybe later you should reflect on, I think. I don't, I don't think those thoughts should be totally thrown away, and that's where, I, where my meditation could be different than your meditation. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really, I mean, I didn't state it well before when you asked me, like, so what happened on the retreat that made you, that, that made you want to do that again, or uh, I can't remember what the exact question was, but basically when you, uh, the, the meditative posture, what, what's happening when you're meditating is, uh, you're stepping out of the traffic like you're instead of just getting caught up in all of these whirling and fizzing and looping thoughts and emotions, et cetera, et cetera. You're stepping out of the traffic and viewing the contents of your consciousness, what's happening in your mind without getting caught up in all the stories. And so just having a basic awareness of what's happening. Oh, yeah, there's a fire extinguisher over there. There's somebody on her phone. Maybe that person's in a bad mood today. What's my mood right now? What kind of murderous thoughts am I having, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but you can accept all of that for what it is without getting caught up in it. And then actually you're much more effective in the world. You're making yourself less miserable, and you're making other people less miserable. And that's actually a really nice self-reinforcing cycle. You know, I love food, which is one of the reasons I gained so much weight. One of the things I loved about food, and, and the reason why I get upset, I can't eat a full plate of chicken parm anymore, is because I, it, there's an intimacy with the food. There's that word intimacy again. I love food. I, I'm passionate about foods and the history behind food and the stories behind the cultures that make the food, this and that. So if someone asked me what I had for lunch yesterday, I don't remember, shame on me. Because that was an opportunity for me to bond with my love for food, my bond for the culture that this, this taco came from or whatever. It, I... I really think that it, it, that's a bad example. But we no, need, it's actually a great example. We need to be aware of everything that happens to us every moment of the day, which is ridiculous. You will never be able to remember everything and retain it and recall it, actually. But we need to try harder. You, it, can, it, you can aspire to it, right? I mean, the point is to actually live your life. Right. Uh, so you don't, you're going to get carried away. You're going to be on automatic pilot sometimes. But... If you aspire to minimize that, you will get better over time. It's like a muscle that you we, build. We sat through traffic coming uptown to the uh-huh. Upper West Side. I used to live on the Upper West Side. I used to actually like living here. This is a big deal because you rarely go above 14th Oh, Street. God, it drives me crazy. But we pulled up uh, up front uh, outside the ABC World Headquarters building, which I, I've never been in this building, and I started feeling the enormity of what goes on in this building. I must assume Nightline happens here in yes. Good Morning America, maybe. Good Morning America happens in Times Square. Times Square, Square right. But we have Nightline 2020, World News Tonight with David Muir. It's all here. The big ABC news and you know TV and radio, it's based here. I actually stopped for a split second, and I thought about like this what this building represents. And uh, it's huge. It's big. And I actually... I kind of took a breath and went, oh, my God, and now I'm about to go upstairs and be interviewed by one of my favorite journalists of all time. And you really are. I'm not blowing stuff up your skirt. I'm serious. I needed to stop down and feel good about where I am and what I'm doing today because it's awesome. This is an incredible opportunity. And uh, when I leave this building, I'll be a little little down because I, I could stay here and do this all day. That is meditation right there in action. How is that? Because you're actually taking a minute to to – Take in what's happening in your actual life as it unfolds right now, as opposed to just walking around in a fog of projection into the future or rumination about the past. Yeah, or worrying about something or just... Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you're, it doesn't mean you're never going to worry, no. nor does it mean you're ever going to save her memories. It just means that to the best of your ability, you're going to boost the mental muscle of being where you are when you are. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not complicated, but I, but but it's not practiced enough by enough people. Well, think, you're doing it, and I'm glad. I mean, this is why this is why it's so important for me to talk to people who are well known who are doing it because it normalizes it. That's just huge. Do you ever go home at the end of the day and actually physically look yourself in the eye in the mirror? Do you do that? 
I don't really like uh, looking in the mirror too much. I, I like it less and less these it's, days. It, why, why is it trending less? Can you answer that? Yeah, just because I'm getting older and don't like it or, or because I notice my, my face getting fatter if I don't uh, <laughs> follow a good diet, et cetera, which, okay. which I'm bad at. It makes you think of things that bring you down. Yes. No, no, no. I'm not saying look at yourself in the face. Look at yourself in the eye. Gotcha. Because your eyes will, until they're bloodshot or whatever, they'll always be these eyes. If you can actually, like I'm staring at you in the eye right yeah. now, if you could actually do this with yourself and actually congratulate yourself for a great day you had, congratulate yourself for a great life that you have, and, and also how lucky you are that the universe has blessed you with a beautiful wife, a beautiful child, a great career, but you got to do it while you're looking yourself in the eye. To me, that's another form of meditation. It's mm-hmm. time it's time for us to be aware of who we are and say, hey, you're okay. I love doing that from time to time. I need to. We all need to. Here's why I do think that's a form of meditation. Because meditation, one way to understand it is just a set of mental exercises to make you happier or make you calmer or make you whatever it is you want to be. You can train the mind. That is the headline of meditation to me. So doing your exercise that you just talked about of looking in the uh, yourself in the mirror, I've never done that. But here's what I do do. Before I go to bed every night... This is super hokey, but I do it anyway, which is I should just make a list of the things that I'm happy uh, for. It's not hokey at all. That's not hokey. It's a little hokey. uh, No, it's not. Not at all. It works. It also helps me fall asleep. Okay. Um, My wife, my son, the fact that I have my health, uh, the the fact that I love my job, the fact that I have meditation in my life, the fact that I have great friends. The list can go on and on and on. Dan, you work for the same network that brought us happy days. Yes, that's right. Laverne and Shirley. I never think about that. <laughs> it's a big network. You're dating yourself. <laughs> I, oh, I would, I would not date myself. <laughs> what, what else are you working on these days? That, uh, what else is going on with you? I need to write a book. I can help you with but that. But we're stalled. We have, we have people who are interested. I'm stalled. I don't know what to do. What do you mean? Should it be a cookbook, a children's book? Should I write about happy times I've had in my crazy career or times where I was so messed up on some sort of crazy drugs that I did crazy things with people and i shouldn't have done and or the time i had a crazy liaison with a superstar that i still won't tell anyone the name uh i've you and i have discussed some of these things off the record um and the stories are amazing well i know but what goes into a book and and then then there's the question well why was any why would anyone give a crap about my book i mean everyone has a book in them why why does mine deserve to be published and not the guy next to me on the train people are curious about you because you're a public figure a okay and b your stories are really good um, i'm not going to ruin them now but we've talked about them as i said uh, confidentially they're really good stories um and uh i think people like learning about other people's lives so right. You would have to think. What I would say to you, and the lesson I learned from writing a, a memoir, which is what you're contemplating, is you got to let it all hang out. You got to go for it. I agree. I think I'm ready to do it. So you, you ask what, what I have. What else do I have going on? That's about it. Plus, we have that little show we do every day. That's four hours of your day. <laughs> so where are you in the planning stage? Are you talking to publishers? Or are you no, just no. kind of thinking about it? We're the contracts in front of us. Really, I just can't sign it because they want a delivery date. When I sign it, oh, here's a piece of advice: those delivery dates don't mean anything. Yeah, I know, but still, I just I, I don't want to commit to it unless I know what it is. I for some reason I can't commit to it, and I, I think there's a, a lesson in life to be learned here for, for many different things that I'm going through, or you're going through, or we're all going through. Is committing to something, committing to something. You, sometimes you you want to know what the end game will be, you want to know what the result will be, but you'll you'll never know that. You're only going to figure this out by writing. Um, what uh, Joan Didion, I think, said, I don't know what I think until I write. Um, so actually doing the work um, of f- figuring out what the book is and then trying to do it, you'll, it'll happen while you do it. But the baseline for, you know, you have excelled in a category where most people are mean. You've done it by being nice. That makes you interesting. Uh, the, the, the surgery, your history with drugs, your history with uh, coming out on the air, what happened on 9-11. There's a many different plot points in your life that will make this a really good read. So I would strongly recommend you do it. And I then wish, come back on the show. I wish I could roll back time and you and I could do drugs together. We would have to roll back quite a bit. I know. When I know. did you stop doing drugs? Oh, I still do. I've smoked some pot every once in a while. Is that but, legal in New York State now? Didn't we I just make know. that legal? I, I think we did. I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not a drug abuser. I, I, if I smoke pot, it's maybe two or three times a year. I mean, it's not like I wake and bake every day. 
But you know your story. I haven't heard that expression since college. Well, I know, but but let let let's be frank here. I mean, it's the story, one of the greatest stories ever told. I mean, you you are sitting here doing this podcast because you used to do drugs. That's yes. a part of it. Yes, that is. Can you imagine true. how different your life would have been had you had never done drugs? I probably wouldn't have started meditating. Pro- oddly enough, even though I rank it as. Definitely one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Granted. And it had disastrous consequences. It you almost did. destroyed my career. There are undeniably positive things that happened as a consequence. Or any weird thing that we've gone through in life. It doesn't have to be drug related. It could be yes. just, you know, bad relationships yes. or a, a car yes. crash or a whatever. Yes. Things that affect us and put us on that new path that uh, it's all a part of this life. You know, life is fantastic. But but you have to read the signs. You have to like what just happened to me just then. Notice it. Let it let it be a part of you. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, on your dying day, you don't want to sit there and regret not being aware of what you did and what you learned. I've been my wife and I have been volunteering as uh, hospice workers l- lately. So we're talking to people who are dying, right? Um, and yeah, you don't hear them say, uh, you know, I wish I worked more. It's really about. I wish I had been there for my life as it was actually happening. I wish my relationships were better, et cetera, et cetera. You don't hear people saying. They give you the you know, list that we, being younger than them and healthier than them, we could actually look at that list and learn from it. But, absolutely. It's very useful for me, actually, in my daily life to sit with people who are dying. Well, I hope you're not doing that right now. <laughs> you are You are, You are. are very much alive. Okay, good. You're, you're more alive now than when I met you three years ago. Hey, did you see Sully, the movie? I have a screener in my, by my house. Is it worth seeing? I watched it for the first time yesterday, and we had some downtime, and Alex and I watched it. Alex being your boyfriend? Yes. Not it, married yet? No. Okay. No. It was incredible. Really? It was an amazing film. I, I, I have some resistance to it. I love Tom Hanks. I love Clint Eastwood. I have some resistance to it because I know the ending. You do, but but you don't know the the filling, you don't know right. the, the the gooey center. And, and I tell you, his what Sully went through was just unbelievable. I mean, it wears you out to see what he went through. I'm not, I don't I don't want to give too much away because I want you to watch it. But to actually put yourself in the airplane as they so beautifully did, because this is it wasn't a crash landing. He called it a la- a water landing, but this was an awful thing that that could have been disaster and through many many reasons it was not a disaster all 155 lives were saved but to be able to be in the airplane as they recreated what happened as they landed as he landed on the hudson river i i started crying really yeah i I'm, just to think what those people went through what they were thinking what they were feeling because let's be honest when we got on airplanes, you, there is a split second sometimes you think, okay, when this plane goes down, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. But to see it happen and to see how they, like I said, they so brilliantly made it happen on film, it was, wow. I'm going to um, uh, let you go soon because I know you um, are, are Do I bore you? Dude. No, no, you, at the absolute opposite. But I want to lay down a marker on the movie front. Okay. My favorite movie of the year, and if it doesn't win Best Picture, I'm going to be upset, Moonlight. Really? Did you see it? No. It's incredible. Everyone says to see it. It's unbelievable. It is one of the best films I can remember seeing. Do you watch? Uh, did you watch the Royals at all? The, Royals? the Royals, the Crown, the cr- on Netflix. Well, there's the Crown, the one, that, the, 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 the really expensive one they made. It was amazing. With I watched the whole thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I call it the Royals. What's the Royals? It, I don't know, but the Crown I think is what you're referring to, and it's on Netflix, and it's phenomenal. Okay, I'm thinking of the professional ball team out of Kansas City. Yes. No, the Crown. Yes. Fantastic. Loved it. I was, my point is this, when a film ends or when uh, you get to the last episode. And you're bummed. And it really takes you down this. Yes. You're like, I need more. Yes, I want more. I I heard they're going to do many, many more seasons of The Crown. Good. Uh, I will be, here's my only beef for the show. Anytime she's not on screen, Claire Foy, the woman who plays the queen. Right. I lose interest a little bit because she's so good. They're all fantastic. They are all fantastic, but she's so, so good. Do you sometimes feel you were switched at birth and you really are a member of royalty? No. Okay. No, do you? Well, I used to think maybe I was a member of the royal family, but my blood clots way too easily. 
This has been great. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute. Every time I see you, you brighten my day. Especially, even when you're not wearing a bright orange sweater. Oh, this is a crazy sweater. I love that sweater. I don't. Listeners will not be able to see the crazy orange dinosaur sweater that would look great on my two year old son. By the way, <laughs> it's awesome. I'm dressing in animals now. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Elvis Duran, you're the best. Thank you very much for coming on. Really uh, appreciate come it. Come on the show soon. And you said what? I'm, another year before the book comes out. I'm coming on your. Sh- I'm going to come hang out in your studio. Right. As part of this cross country. 10% happier tour but then the book comes out the reason why I'm coming to your studio with my team is because we're going to do some research on why people aren't meditating and we're going to use your team uh, right. to do some research and then that will be in the book which will come out next New Year's it'll be a scandalous chapter I can't you wait be, to be a part you of better bring, you better bring the heat alright we'll bring it Dan thank you very much thank you buddy Okay, there's another edition of the 10% Happier Podcast. If you liked it, please make sure to uh, subscribe, rate us. And uh, if you want to suggest topics we should cover or guests uh, we should bring in, hit me up on Twitter at Dan B. Harris. I also want to thank heartily the people who produce this podcast and really do pretty much all the work. Lauren Efron, Josh Cohan, Sarah Amos, Andrew Kalb, Steve Jones, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. Uh, I'll talk to you next Wednesday. If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. Welcome to Pura. The most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.